I'm surprised nobody charged the stage. Free money! So, well, hey, good morning. Good to see you guys. Yeah, I'll have to avoid that side. It's final slip. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate that. All right. Well, hope you guys are doing well. Today is March 31st. Tomorrow begins the great month of April. Okay, I guess we're excited about April. For some of you means, for some of you that means that April 1st is tomorrow. That is, uh, I just lost my thought there. What, April Fool's Day, right? For the rest of you, it means that tax time is coming. And so we're pressured to get all those things. And you guys pay your taxes, right? At least sales tax, I hope. At least your sales tax, right? How many of you, raise your hand if you've already got all that stuff submitted, all your stuff's turned in. Oh, man, like over half of you, well over half of you. But that, that is incredible. Others of us have a little bit of loop to, uh, work to do. See, for me, one of the most frustrating things about doing taxes is that it is so complicated to get them done. And, and I'm a pretty simple case. I have one W-2 uh, for, for our household. I, I, I only work in one state. I mean, it should be pretty cut and dry. But, man, it takes me forever to do my taxes because it's so complicated. There's all these things I got to fill in. And, and the reason it's so complicated is because we have so many loopholes in the tax code, which, I mean, who doesn't love a good loophole, right? Oh, I get a deduction because I have kids. All right. Well, hey, babe, you want to have another kid? I mean, we all love loopholes. Loopholes are a great thing, but it does make things a lot complicated uh, when we're trying to get that one out of the way too, when we're trying to do this. Uh, so, it's also easier to carry over this concept of loopholes into other areas of our life, even our walk with God. We can carry over this concept of having loopholes into our walk with God and into the way that we interact with other people. And we're going to see a bit of that today in Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open that up to Mark chapter 12. Or if you have a, a device with a Bible app of some sort, you can go ahead and open that up and go over to Mark chapter 12. And if not, we'll put the stuff on the screen as well. Uh, but we're going to see that we're kind of at the tail end of this section in Mark in which Jesus is having some, I'll call them heated interactions, some heated debates between himself and the religious leaders. They've been asking him all these questions. And the religious leaders are upset at Jesus through this whole section because Jesus is not adhering to their oral law. You see, they had the Old Testament. They had the laws in the Old Testament, the laws of God uh, in the Torah and so forth. And, I mean, that was all written out. But there's also this unwritten law known as the oral law, which just kind of added some stimulations and, 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 and things like that, amendments to the actual written law because somebody had to describe, you know, don't work on the Sabbath. Well, when does the Sabbath start? When does it end? And how far can I walk? I mean, th these kind of things. They were adding these things. And Listening to that probably makes our tax code seem like a fifth grade reading level document. However, uh, they were upset at Jesus because he didn't adhere to the oral law. Well, Jesus was also upset. He was upset at these religious experts because although they spent all day thinking about the law and dissecting the law and making up additions to the law and stipulations on how to follow the law, they conveniently included loopholes to allow them to follow the law without fulfilling the law. They included loopholes that allowed them to follow the law without fulfilling the law. And so this was the tension that he and the religious leaders are coming up against. And what we're going to see today is, it's real simple, Jesus' followers don't have loopholes. We, we can't jump through loopholes as we try to follow Jesus. Because when you follow a list of rules, you can always bend that rule a little bit, right? You can always go around the rule. You can always beat around. There's, there's always a, a way around 
a rule or a law. Rules are meant to be broken. However, if you follow Jesus, you lose that privilege to have loopholes and to jump through those. So let's jump into Mark 12 and let's begin reading in verse 28. So one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one. There's no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, that's more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him, any more questions. So here we have this, the story of a teacher of the law or a scribe, and he doesn't have a name in this text, but we're going to come back to him, so I'm going to give him the name Joseph. It's the first Jewish name that came to my mind. So this guy's name is, is Joseph, and, and his role is a scribe or what the NET translates as an expert of the law. I, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of scribe. Maybe you think of a guy with a long white robe who copies documents and just develops arthritis in his knuckles. I, I don't know what comes to mind. And, and that's, you know, that's part of the job. Uh, some of the things that he did included that. However, he was more of the mix. That he was in the crosshairs of being a priest, a professor, and a lawyer. As a priest, he had to know the law very well so that he could counsel people, so that he could show them how to accurately follow the Bible and, 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 and the laws that are written therein and give guidance so people could know right from wrong in their everyday professions. He was kind of like a, a priest in some ways. In other ways, he was like a professor. He had to teach the law. Like I said before, one of the laws might be, uh, you know, you can't break the Sabbath. Well, what, what exactly is work? I mean, if I fix a fence for my goats on Friday and then Saturday one of them busts out, can I go chase it? Is that considered work? And, and so somebody had to define, you know, what, 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 does, what does the Sabbath mean and these different laws? So he, he functioned kind of as a priest and kind of as a professor. He also functioned kind of as a lawyer. I mean, these, these were educated people. And so people would, someone would wrong someone else and he had to decide, okay, which wrong is, is worse? Who's at fault here? And what are the, you know, what offerings or sacrifices or recompense needs to be made? He, he kind of had to act in all three of these different realms. He was well-educated and uh, knew what he was talking about when it came to these things. But most importantly, he was immersed in the law of God, reading it and studying it and interpreting it and teaching it and applying it and living it. I mean, this guy, this Joseph, he was, he was immersed in the law of God. And he's been trailing Jesus for some time now. Obviously, he's grown up hearing a lot of rabbis teach the law, but nobody, nobody taught it quite like this fella. He grew up watching different teachers apply the law and live out the law, but, but nobody seemed to live it or apply it the way that Jesus did. And with great swagger, I would add, uh, Jesus was able to live out the law in a different way than other rabbis before him. And this section, like I said, is... There's all these religious leaders that are approaching him and asking him questions. Let's start in Mark 11, verse 27. <clears throat> they arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, three different groups, not individuals, but groups of religious leaders approach him. There's the chief priests, there's the teachers of the law, like Joseph himself, and there are elders that come. And they start asking him questions. Well, what authority can you do these things? And they're asking him these very difficult questions, big groups of them, right? Then in Mark 12, 13, 
As soon as Jesus answers that, later they sent some Pharisees and some Herodians. And so he answers the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, and now the Pharisees and the Herodians come. And, and right after he deals with that controversy in verse 18, then the Sadducees came to him with a question. I mean, they are just pounding him with questions and approaching him and trying to trick him. And you thought Robert Mueller was intimidating. I mean, this guy is really having to bounce around and, and, and answer some pressure and things like that. But every time he answers these things very well, very wisely, and Joseph is thoroughly impressed with the guy. And so one day in public, he clears his throat. <clears throat> Teacher, I have a question. Of all the laws, I mean, there's 613 of these laws, 248 of them are positive, you've got to do this, and 365 of them are negative, you can't do this. There's, there's all these laws. Of all the laws, which is the greatest one? Because I have, to, I have to spend my days weighing which, you know, okay, you wronged you, this person, but this person wronged you, and so which one is worse? And, and so I have to spend my days deciding which one is, you know, more important or which one you should follow first and teach the most and so on and so forth. So if, is, there, is there one single commandment that I could, I don't know, hang, hang all the rest of them on because it kind of is an umbrella for all the rest? Is there one commandment? And, of course, uh, Jesus knows the answer. He basically answers this way. If you're going to follow me, you don't have any more loopholes. Here's what he says in verse 29. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. Or we would say just our, our heart, our mind, and our body. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now some of you, uh, just your personality bent, you are a rule follower. This was certainly Joseph, right? He was a rule follower, and his job as a teacher of the law, an expert of the law, was to keep God happy. I mean, I have to go to the synagogue every Sabbath, and I have to bring my sacrifices when it comes to festival time, and I have to repeat my Shema every morning and every afternoon, and uh, I can't work on the Sabbath day at all, and I, 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 if I'm unclean, I can't go out in public, and you know, you got to wear my head covering at this certain... And as long as I keep all these laws, as long as I keep all the laws, I keep God happy, and God and I, we're good, as long as I can keep all the laws. However, following Jesus isn't about avoiding, it's about becoming. If you're going to follow Jesus, you lose your loopholes. And so it's not about, you know, I got to avoid this sin and I got to avoid this behavior that makes God angry. And as long as I avoid these big sins, I'm good with God. That, 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 that is how it works for a law follower. For a law follower, just, just don't break these things and you're good. If you follow Jesus, you, you don't have this loophole. It reminds me of this meme that maybe you've seen floating around on different social media platforms. There's these two kids that, that get into trouble, I mean bad trouble. And the one kid says, oh, man, this is bad. I hope my dad doesn't find out. And then the other kid says, oh, man, this is really bad. I better go call my dad. Very different perspectives of the father in there. I thought about that uh, just, just, just two nights ago. Uh, we're getting ready for bed. We're in our bedtime routine because we have young kids. And, oh, there's a piece of glass. Go ahead, have shoes on. Uh, or plastic, whatever. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with my son, and, and I asked my son, I said, did you, did you brush your teeth before bed? He goes, yeah, yeah, I brushed my teeth. I said, did you floss? And a moment of silence pauses over him, and then he begins to, to floss, to do the floss <laughs> dance. That is the last time you will ever see me do the floss dance <laughs> in public. But he begins to do this, he begins to floss, and it was hilarious. <laughs> it was just, I was so impressed with my son in that moment. I said, yes, this is this is great. See, there's always a way to get around the rule, right? And I think all of us who are parents, uh, I think all of us who are parents would, would agree that it would be annoying, uh, just annoying to have a perfect, flawless kid. 
But that's not, that's not what God is looking for. In fact, he, he's well aware that you have all kinds of problems. <laughs> he's, he's not surprised when you mess up. I mean, he, he knows all about it. And, and for God, it's not about avoiding. It's about becoming. He doesn't want you to avoid sin. He wants you to become holy. And part of that's just being honest with him because he already knows the mess that goes on in your head, right? We lose our ability to have loopholes. Jesus says our greatest commandment isn't to obey the Lord our God. It's not to keep the rules of the Lord our God. It's not to please the Lord our God. Our greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God. And that takes away all, that takes away all the loopholes. I have to actually floss for real if, if I love what my father says, right? Jesus' followers don't have loopholes. Now, other rabbis had taught this before. This is not an original thing with Jesus. You know, oh, wow, that's profound. No, no, no. Joseph had heard this before. Other rabbis had, had been saying this. But there's a spin that Jesus puts on this that, to my knowledge, nobody else had ever really linked the two commandments together like this. He says, yes, yes, yes. The first, the greatest commandment is to love God. The second is to love your neighbor. And there is no other commandment singular than these. He, he puts them together and, and you get the sense that you can't love God without loving your neighbor as well. And to my knowledge, nobody else had ever linked the two commandments together so closely as Jesus did. What I want you to notice here is that this means there's no more competing priorities we, we only have one priority. There's no more competing priorities. And perhaps you become accustomed to the thinking that your morality has to be in this certain priority. You know, God is first, and, and if I'm married, then my spouse is second. And if I have kids, my kids are third. And then, and then my work is fourth, and as, as, if, as if life comes to you in linear fashion like this. But we all know that's not how it works, right? We never find ourselves in Spider-Man's position where the Green Goblin is. He's just tossed Mary Jane off the tallest skyscraper. And at the same time, he's messed up the train tracks on the trolley. And 75 people are plummeting to their death. And he laughs and says, which one will you choose? Spider-Man. And that makes for a great movie, especially if he can save both. But that's not how life works. Because if I love God with all my heart and soul and mind, I also have to love my family first. And if I love God first, I have to love my church first and my work first and my neighbor first. And I... It, it doesn't work in linear fashion. I can't have these priorities. I, there's no more competing priorities. I only have one priority, and it's to love the Lord my God, and that includes all the other people that I have to love as well when I do this. Now, earlier in this chapter, some religious leaders had tried to pin Jesus by bringing up this very thing. They said, hey, Jesus, they say we're supposed to pay our taxes, but we really love God. Do you think we should give our money to dirty old Caesar or should we just devote all our money to God? Man, <laughs> how do you answer that question? Of course, Jesus basically explains to them that if you're a rule follower, the answer is very easy. If you're a law follower. But if you're a Jesus follower, you don't have a loophole. Because honoring God with your money means you also have to honor your civic duties as well. And if I love God, I have to love my civic duties and my family duties and my work duties. And it, You can't make a dichotomy between... Your, your real world life and your walk with God. It doesn't work that way. The two are interconnected in a way that can't be separated. It reminds me of a project that I had to do as a, as a young kid. I was in school and my teacher handed out these blank pieces of paper and in the middle of the paper was a large, uh, just, just black and white. So it was a white sheet of paper and then a black outline of a heart. And she passed out crayons and she told all of us to color inside the heart the things that we love. And so, of course, I drew my mama, you know, good southern boy. I love my mama, put a box around mama. Then I drew my Pokemon cards or whatever, and <clears throat> I drew, you know, so, so I drew all the things that I love. Before long, the box, not the box, the, the heart had filled up with all these boxes. And if you step back and look, 
Thankfully, I don't have it to show you because it wasn't the best artwork. But if you step back to look, you'd notice that some of the boxes are bigger than others. I think that's a good illustration of how this doesn't work. Because, again, if I, if I love God with all my heart, then I, I have to love other people with all my heart as well. It, it doesn't come to me in linear fashion like that. It is possible to obey God without loving him. It is possible to keep his laws without loving him. It is possible to try to please him without loving him. But, but if, you're, if you're a law follower, you can do these things. If you're a Jesus follower, you, you, you don't have that loophole. You don't have that way out of doing this. So look at how Joseph responds. He comes back in verse number 32, and he, he agrees with Jesus. He says, well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one, there's none other but him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, all that is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then Jesus commends the scribe. So in other words, the scribe agrees with Jesus, and then Jesus agrees with the scribe agreeing with Jesus. Did I lose anybody there? See, this is significant because this is the first time, in the, this is the only time in the book of Mark where Jesus says anything nice about a scribe. <laughs> this is the first time he ever, you know, agrees with something that a scribe says. And I think that's really interesting because Joseph actually adds something to what Jesus said. I don't know if you caught it or not. He says, yeah, 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 you're right, I agree. Loving God and loving other people. And then he adds this, he says, that is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, the burnt offerings were offerings, uh, animals and things that you would bring to the altar. They would be fully consumed as an atonement for your sin. Sacrifices were just, it just kind of covered all the other offerings is what he meant. So he's talking about the entire sacrificial system, which remember what Joseph's job is. I mean, this is a significant minority of what he does with all of his time. And he's saying what Jesus just said, that one commandment is, is more important than a big part of what Joseph does for his living, a big portion of what Joseph has to do for his profession and the NIT, it says it's more important. I want to throw a little, little curve on that. He, he's kind of getting at that it's more difficult as well. You see, this was translated from the language of Greek about 2,000 years ago. You know, English as we know it today didn't really exist. And so it's been translated, and the word important is not really in there. He, he's just saying that, yes, you know, what you said, to love God and love others, that, that's more than, than all the whole sacrificial system. And there's a few different words that he could have used for more there, but the one he uses is kind of incremental. It's like... Yeah, you do this, but then you have to go further. Then you have to take another step. And you get the impression that it's, it's, it's more difficult to love than to, well, I don't really love this person. I'm going to do this. And I'll just offer my sacrifice afterwards. No, no, no. It's, 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 see, it's less complicated. Following Jesus is less complicated, but it's more demanding. Because the question is not what can I get away with. It's what does love demand? What does love require of me? Following Jesus eliminates our loopholes, and it's, more co it's less complicated. However, it is more demanding. It's a more difficult morality for us to follow. And so perhaps you're in here thinking, well, hey, I'm, I'm a boss of my organization, and as a boss, I have to make tough calls sometimes. Yeah, you're right. You, you do have to make tough calls. But if you follow Jesus, you have to make tough, loving decisions. Well, I might have an HR nightmare on my hands. That's true. I mean, if you're a law follower, I'm sure we can find a loophole and you can get rid of the employer or whatever the case is. But, but if you follow Jesus, you might have a nightmare on your hands when it comes to HR. In fact, one of your closest followers, employees, may betray you for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, these things happen when, when love is the priority as opposed to following the law. We lose our loopholes when we follow Jesus. Well, I work in a rough school district, and you know what? Where I work, you have to be strict with students. This is true. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you at all. However, if you follow Jesus, you have to be lovingly strict with your pupils. 
Well, what if, this, what if this disobedient kid, what if he plays me? Well, if you're a rule follower, I'm sure we can find a loophole, get him in a different class, something like that. But, but if you're a Jesus follower, you have to find a way to lovingly be strict and hard on this kid. Well, what if I get played? If you're a rule follower, we can probably find a way out. If you're a law follower, if you're a rule, uh, sorry, what am I trying to say? If you're a Jesus follower, you may get played. In fact, Jesus himself, they let a guy out of prison and made Jesus take his place. He kind of got played there in the legal system. So, so yeah, you, you may get played. It's, it's less complicated, but it's more demanding of us, right? Well, I work in healthcare and I see some horrible things and I, just, I have to disconnect from my patients. I can't get emotionally involved in them because I got to protect myself. I, I, I completely agree with you. However, if you follow Jesus, you have to find a way to lovingly be connected with your patients and also keep yourself safe at the same time. You see, the first thing that you learn in scribe school is that every law has an equal and opposite loophole that you can jump through. But when you choose to follow Jesus, you don't have any loopholes anymore. You lose that privilege to get away with that. I hope you're beginning to realize that following Jesus is not black and white. There's a lot of gray. It's not cut and dry. It's not simple. It's, it's not black and white. There's not always a right answer to how to do things. <clears throat> So Pastor Nick and his messy teenagers were just up here, and he was telling me that uh, I have proof. He was telling me earlier that sometimes whenever they talk, you know, dating comes up a lot with teenagers. And, and a lot of times maybe some teenagers in here that are wondering, well, you know, how far can I, I know I'm not supposed to do such and such with my boyfriend or girlfriend, but how far can I go? I mean, can, can we hold hands? If we can hold hands, can we kiss? If we can kiss, can we do such and such and you just keep going down the line? And if you're a law follower, I mean, you can, you can find loopholes around this thing. But, but, but really, you're, you're asking the wrong questions if you ask that, if you're going to follow Jesus. Because the real question is, what's the most loving thing for the other person? How can I respect my girlfriend? How can I respect her parents? You know, we're dating and maybe we'll marry. But, I, I mean, this, this may not work out. And how do I respect her future spouse? In fact, somebody might be dating my future spouse someday. How do, how do I hope that he respects her? So, see... It's, it's, it's less complicated, but it is more demanding when you ask these other questions. If you're a law follower, you can always find a loophole. I mean, we're, we're married in God's eyes or something like that. But if, if you're a Jesus follower, you, you lose the privilege of having, of having loopholes when it comes to loving other people and loving God. Jesus followers don't have loopholes. Now, I want you to notice something at the end of this section. Jesus kind of closes this conversation by wetting the scribe's appetite. He says, you, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You, you, you're, you're not quite there yet. You're very close, but you're not quite, you're, you are not quite far from the kingdom of God. And I can't help but compare this with, with a story that Jesus just told in, uh, earlier in the book of Mark. There was this guy who came to him and, and he says, Jesus, I've kept all the commands. I've kept, I haven't broken a single commandment. Well, that is impressive. I've broken about all of them, <laughs> right? So, wow, that is, that is impressive haven't broken a single commandment. There's one thing you lack. He tells this guy he's not far. He tells the other guy, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you own, give it all away to the poor, and then come follow me. And those of you familiar with the story, you may know that he hangs his head and walks away because he's very wealthy, very influential person. He's a ruler, and he just he can't quite bring himself to do that. Now, Mark doesn't want us to read that story and go, oh, man, I need to sell everything and give all my stuff away and just live on the street. That's, that's not the point. The, the, the point he's getting at is that you have to abandon everything. The, the, the kingdom of God is, is this concept that God rules over everything in your life as king. And, and there's no realm in your life in which Jesus doesn't touch any of it. And he's telling the scribe, he says, you're very close. You have to get to the point 
where God owns everything and, and you have, you, you're, you're all in. Does that make sense? You're all in following Jesus. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you grew up with this mindset, as long as you don't break certain rules, as long as you don't, uh, you know, do something really bad, you, you, you'll get into heaven someday. Maybe, maybe you grew up learning that, but that's, it's, it's not that simple when you follow Jesus. Because all of us sin, all of us mess up, all of us have these habits and things that we turn to, and, and the only way to go to heaven when you die or to become part of the kingdom of God in these words is that you must fully trust in Jesus. And that means that your heart your whole mind, your whole body, he, he, he's in control of all of it. You have to surrender everything to him. And with that said, if you're in here today and maybe, maybe you're not sure how to do that or, or you're not sure if you're going to heaven when you die, that kind of thing, I would invite you after, after we're done here, you know, when we dismiss, everybody's going to stand up. So you don't need, everybody's going to be running around. You, nobody's going to be watching you. If you would just come to the front here and, and sit on one of these front rows and if you want someone to pray with you. And I'm going to ask if, if you're a staff member or an elder or a leader in our church, if, you know, just if you're a leader in our church and you feel comfortable talking to someone, if you notice someone, just come up and, and pray with them. I'm going to invite you to do that uh, at the end of what I'm saying here. <clears throat> Let me close by telling this story. There was, there was a woman one day who was sitting across the table from a wise old sage. And she asked the wise old man, she said, can you, can you describe to me what heaven and hell are like? So the sage nodded his head, didn't say a word. He just stood up and bid the woman to follow him. So he walked over to down the hallway and he walked over to these two rooms and he motioned for her to open one of the doors. So the woman just, she picked a door on the left and she, she opened the door and looked inside and there was a room inside of there, and inside of the room there was this large, I mean, very large round table. And in the middle of this large round table, there was this pot of stew that was, that was cooking. And I mean, it smelled great. The, 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 the smell just kind of hit her as she opened the door. It smelled amazing, just this great food in this pot. But, but the table was so big that you, there was no way you could, you could reach the pot that was in the middle. The table was way too large and round. And there were people sitting all around the table, and they had these spoons that were, they, they were, they were very long spoons, and they were long enough that they could, if they reached, they could reach the stew in the middle of the table, but the spoons were attached to their hands in such a way that once they scooped it out, they, they, they couldn't get it into their mouth. They couldn't feed themselves, right? And so she looks around at these, these, this table, all these people that can reach the, 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 the stew, but they can't feed themselves, and they're all famished. They're all, you can see their rib cages, and they're, they're, they're starving, and it, it, was, it, it was quite disgusting. So the lady closed the door and the man said, that's, that's one way to look at what hell is like. So the woman, she goes and opens the other door <clears throat> and she notices surprisingly the same scene. There's this, there's this large table in the middle, too large to, meet what, to, to reach what's in the middle. And in the middle, there's this pot of stew. It smells great. The food's good. And, and she notices the same people lined up around the tables and they have these long wooden spoons attached to their arms where they can't move them, but, but they all look very well fed. They look plump. They look happy. I mean, things are, things are fine. Every, everybody is healthy in this room. She asked the sage, she said, I don't, I don't quite understand. The old sage said, well, see, the people in the first room were thinking of themselves. They were greedy. They couldn't eat themselves. The ones in the second room had learned to feed one another. And that's how they learned to eat. Take a look at this video clip. <laughs> 